You're listening to the DistressedPro.com professional interview series, where we bring you actionable advice from professionals on the front line of today's real estate and mortgage note market. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Distressed Pro Professional Podcast Series. I'm having Mike Rusika back here again, uh, whom I've had on half a dozen times over the last decade or so. Mike's one of my oldest friends in this business. Uh, he's a friend of Distressed Pro. He refers folks here, as do we to him, and because we have businesses that complement each other. And the reason I asked Mike to come on here today was because he's really on top of the market all the time. He's out there active, trading in notes, doing deals all the time, and has been ever since I've known him. And so we wanted to chat a little bit today. First, we're going to talk a little bit about the market and just what we see happening now and kind of what we might forecast, no crystal balls. And then we're going to talk a little bit about brokering. So sort of some disturbing trends or there's some things happening in note brokering that it feels like maybe we should just drag out into the light and talk about it a little bit. Mike's going to talk about what he's seeing there and then how you can do better than what we're seeing in the, in the market today. So with that, Mike Rusica of uh, Note Conference, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, Brett, it's uh, my pleasure. I mean, uh, whenever we uh, get together, <laughs> it's always fun. It's always interesting. Yes. Even though we're not in a hot tub today. Do we have to talk about the hot tub every time we have? The hot tub or the bar? Which one do you want to talk about? Well, they're right next to each other, as they should be. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what's happening in the market. Mike, you've been trading notes actively as a, a portion of your business in addition to investing for how long has it been? It's a big portion of my business. I started my first pool of notes that I brokered was in January of '09, was when we closed. We started working on that pool in late December right through the holidays and closed on it mid-January 2009. All right. I still own notes <laughs> that I ended up purchasing on my big first trade, man. And my daughter actually moved into one of those notes in North Carolina. Uh, we just got back from there. I wrote an email called Staying in Your REO. And uh, my first stay in an REO, and it was fantastic. It was a four-acre property that we foreclosed on. My daughter liked the property and she's like, you know what? I'm going to move into this thing. And uh, so this business is life-changing, obviously, not only for me, but for my family. That term right away, just in case someone's listening to this, because you're saying REO and what a lot of folks don't might not realize is that REO refers to a line item on a balance sheet, which is real estate owned that was acquired through the process of foreclosure, right? So this is a property where you owned the debt and then you had to foreclose on it in order to acquire the property. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. We, uh, as note investors, become the bank. And we take the role of a bank on the good portion of it, which is collect the money. Or kind of the, I don't want to say bad portion of it, but the problem portion of it where, in this case, the borrower had abandoned the pretty back in 2003. You can imagine what it looks like mm. or looked like until my son-in-law got his hands on it and made it beautiful. So yes, we take the role of the bank and we own this real estate outright as the bank now and we can do with it what we want. We own it outright. Nice. 
So 2009, which coincidentally, same year that Distress Pro started, August 31st of 2009, we were sort of, I don't even want to say at the tail end, we were in the throes of the global financial crisis, right? And now we've been, each of us, in business through this historic boom and run-up in asset prices. Now, as we're coming into this other, just a really, really strange time, right, where we've got... We've had this COVID situation. We have really high unemployment. We have a lot of forbearances. We have rent on all manner of residential and commercial property not being paid. The loans on all of those assets not being paid. So what are you seeing out there in the market today? What's different right now from over the last few years and Talk a little bit, if you have some sense of, about what you might see in the future. Yeah, well, from all of the information that I see from all of your emails, <laughs> which I love because I'm not a chart guy, I'm not a statistics guy. In my mind, it's like, how many notes does it take for me and my students to be busy mm-hmm. and to make a living, to make a nice living? And it's not a whole heck of a lot a couple of hundred or maybe a thousand notes. Well, out of all the notes that are out there in the world, we only need a couple of these assets. So all the charts and and colors and indicators and stuff really don't affect me very personally. But from what I have gathered so far, we are entering a period of the perfect storm. Mm. And I told myself back in 2011, 12, I feel like I kind of missed the boat on the last uh, debacle, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I'm I'm preparing myself and my students for this next turn of events. Last year, I, I got my hands on a prospectus from Bank of New York Mellon. And in there, I said, there, I was looking to buy the stock. And so in here, I said, there has to be a place where they do some type of provision for their defaulted notes. And sure enough, on page whatever, There it is. We figure at the worst part of the 2008-9 real estate crisis, we had a 4% default rate. Mm -hmm. And that's what we build into our model for a 4% default rate, which is horrible, which is like a lot of loans, which is like a ton of mortgages. Well, I think I read in one of your emails that we're at an 8 or 9% default rate right now, which is twice what Bank of New York Mellon and all the other banks have built into their model as worst case scenario, turning all their computers on to figure out the perfect storm. Nobody factored in this black swan to this level. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, the Fed is sounding alarms uh, about asset prices, even which, you know, traditionally they're pretty close to the vest, that sort of thing. A lot of the different bank reports, same thing. And so I guess we'll just have to see. But I think what would be interesting to talk about a little bit is sort of the, the what you're seeing now in the note business and specifically in note brokering, which is how a lot of folks get started in the business, right? They, you know, most people don't show up with piles of their own cash to start this business. They start by making some transactional money and Maybe if you could talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there in the market right now in that space, and then talk us through a little bit about how maybe it could be done better. Okay. Yeah. So my students used 
your product. Um, obviously, Distress Pro goes out and hunts down banks that have product that they need to sell. So my students are dialing for dollars, using your software, using the contacts that are in your software. And the conversations that we're having is come back in the third and fourth quarter. We were doing our contacting back in March and April when they first started shuttering businesses. And the banks were themselves too busy getting their employees in place, their systems in place, their Zoom, <laughs> uh, getting their employees to work from home and work in a safe environment. They were setting up their systems. They didn't have time to talk about their distressed debt. Right. But they all gave us a warning, come back in the fourth quarter, which we are in right now as of the time of this call. Yep. And in my experience, in my time, this is the best time to prepare and build the relationships with the people that are on the other side of the telephone to let them know that, hey, we are here. It is what we do is we turn your non-performing assets into hard cash and let them know that we are available, we're easy to talk to, and we're waiting uh, patiently for you to contact us. And we stay in communication every once a month. We send out more calls, emails, contacts. We connect with them on LinkedIn throughout, sending messages back and forth. This is the time to be learning this business, preparing for what you and I and many others in this industry are expecting over the next two years, I would say. I mean, could be four years of distress. Could be. Yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing right now. So talk to me a little bit about, before we uh, started recording the call, you and I had talked about your expressing um, that your sort of displeasure with some of the funny business that you're seeing out there in the market, and, and just that, Folks be doing a better job. There's a lot of folks who are holding themselves out as uh, being able to make a, you know, to transact who aren't. And maybe we could talk a little bit about how they could get past that and move on to, to doing real business. I don't mean to be speaking, I guess I'm sort of uh, keeping it close to the vest, but I don't want to, I want to have you tell me rather, <laughs> rather than me tell you what you just told me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The best thing I can do is, and the only thing I can do is teach from experience how it worked for me. So I entered a mentoring program in the beginning of 2007. That mentor was teaching us the business of working non-performing mortgages, but he was also selling us those mortgages. So we had no other source other than to go to him, which was fantastic because it eliminated this whole side of the business. And when the mentorship program was over, it's like, okay, so we're on our own. So what do I do? I found you. I found you early, early on because I need to get in touch with banks. And the difference with me going out and wanting to connect with banks was I had one objective. That objective was to go out and get my friends notes because I had met all the people that were in my mentorship program. I became friends with a lot of them. And they're all like, we're note investors uh, with no notes. So off I go, and I'm grabbing all the tools I can get my hands on. Your program came up immediately. I think I signed up with you in, in the beginning of 10. Been a faithful follower <laughs> ever since. 
I don't know how I could have done business without it. And all I wanted to do was go find notes for my friends. And so uh, the first trade that I did, like I said, was in closed in beginning of 2009. My friend and I worked on this project of taking 54 assets and selling them out to my five friends, him included. I bought 10, he bought 15. Most of the other people bought 10 and we ended up closing on 54 notes and we were all happy. And I said, okay, so first one of you folks that gets paid off, takes me out to dinner. I don't care where you live. You're taking me out to dinner. And so they, everyone agreed. And that was my brokering fee. That was the first brokering fee that I received. I received a, a free all-inclusive meal at Bonacera in Red Bank, New Jersey. And it was fantastic. And I was so proud of myself that I was able to let my friend turn a $6,000 investment into 32000 bucks. Uh, he was tickled to buy me dinner. And let me tell you what, I didn't hold back on that menu because I had put about a month's worth of work into this trade. And so we're sitting there at dinner and, and my friend goes, you know, you probably should make money the next time you do this. I'm like, well, I was just happy to, we all needed notes. And he goes, no, I mean like, like a thousand or $2,000 a file. And this is 54 files. My first trade, 54 notes. So that's what I did. I made up a brokering fee for myself. I still had my friends and off I went into broker land. I believe, I firmly believe that the reason that I was successful in that first trade was two reasons, really. The first one was I was not focused on getting paid other than getting a, a nice Italian meal. The second reason why I was successful with that is because I knew how to do the due diligence on those loans so that I could show my friends, hey, this one's worth 80 cents on a dollar and this one's worth four cents on a dollar. Becoming a note investor is, is where the failure comes as far as you're talking about the, the monkey business that goes on where you, know, they, you get a hold of a, a tape and all you do is you show it out and all, before you know it, it's all rampant all over the internet and everybody's seen it. Nobody knows what they're looking at. You can't get the thing closed because they just don't understand the, the workings of being a note investor first and then a broker second to know what's good and what's bad. I think that's where the breakdown occurs. And uh, I know that's where the breakdown occurs because I was strictly out on that first trade to get notes for my friends. If those people were strangers, the deal would not have closed. They knew me personally. They knew my reputation. They knew me for, you know, over a year. And uh, I had that closeness relationship. We spent $350,000 and all these people wired three hundred and fifty grand into my bank account. And I could have hightailed it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, in, you know, I, these people had to trust me and know me and... That's why I start these relationships with banks early. That's why I start these relationships with investors early. I don't wait until I find a tape and now I got to go find six people to perform this magical miracle of closing. And it is pretty difficult closing and getting everyone to wire, getting everyone to agree, getting blah, 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 getting all the documents signed. So there's quite a few moving parts to brokering that a lot of these brokers that are out there 
are not aware of. And so that's why I am successful teaching this brokering business. And I love it. I don't know if you can tell by my enthusiasm, but I am a diehard note enthusiast. (laughs) One of the words I hear you keep using is relationships. The big R word. Absolutely. I, I look at the relationship that you and I have. It's all important to my business relationships are what life is really all about. And uh, I maintain a high level of relationship quality with the people that I want to still be related to. Not so hot with people that I don't want to relate to anymore, but yeah, relationship is key to business. And just a, a side note on that is, you know, I see this whole COVID thing and I see these restaurants that are struggling. I live in a resort town. And why don't these restaurateurs capture email addresses so that they can send me a special two-for-one or a two-for-one drink special or something just to get people back in their minds? And so the big thing that is with me is I'm capturing email addresses and I'm building my network of whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. So some folks on the newer side are going to hear this and they're going to say, see, I knew it was a relationship business. Mike already has all the relationships. I, now, you know, I can't do this business. I don't have the relationship. When I got into this business, I was a machinist. I was going in the back door of a factory. I was even on the third shift. So I met no people. Machinist? You didn't know a bunch of bankers? I didn't know very many bankers. I knew one dentist and I knew one doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to, to talk to those folks when they're examining me. And that's, that's a story for all of the time. But yeah, my network was net zero. And then I started getting out in this mentorship program. And I started, I, get, I, I would get on, the thing would start at 7.30. I'd get on at 7 o'clock and see who would ping in. We were using a whatever software, free conference call, and it would ping and it would say, please announce yourself. So someone would get on and say, I'm not going to mention any names. So I'd be like, hey, John, you know, I was listening to that deal that you were working on two weeks ago. And have you tried calling a bankruptcy attorney or, or, you know, and just chatting it up with these people. And before you know it, I've got some new friends and some are in San Diego and you're out in Bend, Oregon, and I got friends in some high places. They never knew that I didn't graduate high school or that I was a machinist my whole life. I was the guy who had the note in York, Pennsylvania, and I turned that investment around and ended up making a lot of money on it because that's all they knew of me. Mm-hmm. They knew of me from that. And so what I did was I built that exact same model of having 40 students on a Zoom call but we're all meeting each other intentionally, not unintentionally. And I've managed to duplicate that and expedite the connectivity of these investors a lot quicker than it took me a year to, to be not so shy. So talk about that a little bit then. Uh, that's the program that you're running now to help folks who are getting started in the note business? Yeah, that's called Note Conference Fast Track Business. It's designed for people that are serious about the note business and they want to actually start a business themselves, uh, hence the name Fast Track Business. And it is, among other things, intentionally set up for people to network with people that I've attracted into this education program. Probably 30% of those students are ex uh, students of mine when I was teaching one-on-one mentorship 
where we would get together on a weekly basis and just work on their business together. I came up with this group thing exactly because of that's how I learned the business in a group setting. And um, I love it, you know, especially going through this virus thing. Now we meet on a weekly basis. Uh, I come up with a, a topic every week to talk on and then we have the Q and a, and then sometimes we all jump into a zoom room, four or five people in a room and just let them chat to each other and get to know each other. They want to talk about fishing. They can talk about fishing because that's what personal relationships are. It's not all about money, money, money. And uh, we're, we're having a great time with this group. One of the things that I hear from folks a lot in Distress Pro and through the uh, Bank Direct Mastery Academy is when they get a live one and they say, what do I do now? Do you talk about that kind of thing on your calls? Do you have folks bring deals to your calls? And if so, what are you seeing these days? Yeah, so we just completed due diligence on one of the students brought in a tape with 650 loans. And we ended up cutting that in half and putting an offer in on 325 loans. That was a a collaborative effort. I think we had 15 or 16 people that were very active on working on a Google Doc, performing due diligence. We're going to take this thing down as a group. And the guy that brought that to the group probably would have gotten a check somewhere fifty dollars to $100,000 as commission from each of the students that were willing to purchase on that. Uh, we lost the bid, but we performed the exercise uh, flawlessly. And we learned a heck of a lot on how to get 16 investors to, to collaborate on due diligence to come up with an offer, to come up with pricing. Pricing alone is a tough animal. Uh, I'm glad that we lost the bid. doesn't sound right because those loans went for more than what I thought they were worth, obviously. And uh, there was three other bidders that were above ours and two other bidders that were right at the same spot where we were. So I felt good about that. I teach kind of what I call note snobbery, Mm -hmm. which means that I don't start a hedge fund and now I got to deploy a million dollars and just buy whatever I can get my hands on. I'm a snob when it comes to what I pick and how much I pay for it. And if I offend someone, I I could care less. Uh, We had that conversation with the seller. They totally agreed and they agreed to continue They only had seven bids, all right? And so out of seven, we had three above us and two below us. And they absolutely said, we have no problem with your bid. I ended up spending about $3,000 on the due diligence. That's nothing. You know, we were looking at 325 loans. And um, so it was a fantastic exercise. And we will get more loans uh, to look at. And so I absolutely teach my students to go out and find product and let's get you paid. It's been really fun. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's happening in the future. We do know that the forbearances and the defaults are soaring. We do know that folks in high places, banks and the Fed are are calling for some a warning. And we know that all the relationships have already been made and there's no room for you. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, and we know that, you know, making relationships is an ongoing thing that you do throughout your life in various ways. And if you want to get a kickstart on that, if you're somebody who you're, you're just getting started, just getting into the note business, 
and you want to accelerate your time to doing a deal and to being able to network and talk with the you know 30 or 40 folks who are doing the same thing actively, then you should check out Mike's program. Um, I've known Mike to be a really honest broker in my entire career. And he's always dealt me straight and I, I can recommend him wholeheartedly. So I'd say that, Mike. And I just really want to emphasize that I hear from folks so often, they're just getting started and they they say things like they ask a lot of questions about like their chances of success and how much, you know, like what are my chances of success and Mike, what would you say to somebody who's looking to get started and they're wondering, like, what are my chances of success in this? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting point and part of the online training that I want all of my students. My, I have a, a full online training program that goes along with Fast Track Business. And in there, I teach. This is the most important part. I mean, all the mechanical stuff of what I just described on that 325 note tape due diligence. And I spent $3,000 pulling reports and all the different mechanical stuff that we were doing to get to a point of at least coming up with an offer that we thought was a fair offer. Mm -hmm. That's 20% of the business. That literally is the mechanics of the business. When you go looking for bankruptcy and going through PACER and looking at all the different TLOs and reports, that's 20% of the business. The 80% of the business is what I really enjoy teaching. And that's the mindset. That's the mindset of an individual saying, you know what? I don't have to be a machinist anymore to make money. I can go and become a different person, become a totally different person and start doing webinars and start doing conference calls with potential students, or with potential clients and investors. You have to become a different person if you want different results. So with your software, I use your Realty Motor software. I get to become that different person. Who the heck am I to be writing emails about all this mindset stuff? Well, it has completely changed my life, and that's what I teach. When I got out of the machine shop trade and got into real estate investing and then boom, ran into the note business, I had to completely become a different person and start hanging with different people. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that I see students becoming successful is they have to change their habits. They have to stop hanging with the people that they're hanging with, get on these webinars and conference calls and with my training education where, you know, somebody in Florida is meeting somebody in California. They don't have to be neighbors to become partners in whatever collaboration they want to perform. So you got the 80, 20 rule that even pertains to our note business. And the 80% is learning how to become that different person and model yourself after someone else who's in the group that is already successful. That's what I did. I modeled myself after a couple of different people that were holding their own webinars. And I'm like, shit, I can do that. I mean, what's it take to open up a Zoom account, $15, and you go to, well, you don't go to a real estate event now, but you visit a real estate event, Zoom thing, and you do just what I said with these restaurant tours. You gather email addresses. You gather three email addresses. You've got one guy's a realtor, one woman's a dentist, and someone else is a doctor. You've got their three email addresses. You invite them on a Zoom call next week to discuss what their views are on the upcoming 
note events or the upcoming crisis that I think we're headed for once available credit becomes harder to get their hands on and discuss topics that interest you. And the other thing probably would be to become somewhat of an expert during this time that we're waiting for this reaction. Early on, I became what I would consider an expert in self-directed IRAs. And how did I do that? I didn't go to college for that. I didn't go to CPA school or anything. I went on the, on the internet and I read everything I could about using a self-directed IRA. And now the people that I talk to, I would say, hey, listen, next Wednesday, I'm holding a Zoom call, how I'm going to use my self-directed IRA. I didn't even really use it yet, but I knew all the different directions of investments that were allowed from the federal government. And I would just hold a webinar and discuss it and make sure that I hit the record button. And then afterwards, my son would go in and edit out all the burps that I made and all the noises. And then I put that up on a website and I made that available. And I just did that out of kindness, I guess, because I think that self-directed IRAs, everybody should be using them and have one. My kids have one. They're 25 years old and uh, they should have an LLC and they should have an IRA. Things that are kind of basic, but most people don't have them. Good advice to get anybody started. Yeah. So folks, if you liked hearing Mike and I talk, you want to talk to Mike more, find a button below this post. If you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on the podcast, come on over to distresspro.com and you can find the full transcript of this post and you'll find a, a button where you can go learn more about Mike and about Mike's program, about how to make relationships, how to build and maintain those relationships so that you can really get started finally in the note business. So awesome. that's it. Mike, really appreciate you coming by, uh, being on the show yet again. And let's check in maybe first quarter next year and see what's cooking then. First quarter, man. It's going to be exciting. Yep. Good talking to you, Brett. I really appreciate it. And uh, you taking the time out of your busy schedule of snowboarding and preparing the snowboard uh, to talk with me. My pleasure. All right, buddy. Hey, this is Breck Palumbo, founder of DistressPro.com. Are you ready to take your real estate or note business to the next level? We'll show you how to start sourcing discounted and distressed off-market deals direct from institutional sellers. Visit GoBankDirect.com today and learn how to take control of your deal flow and profit in any market. Go now to GoBankDirect.com.